I just want to say that I was nervous about what about today because something about the principal. You know, ever since I was a little kid, going to the principal's office is always <laughs> is always scary. But we're at least we're not in your office, right? Yeah. Something I really appreciate that a principal or headmaster, as we say in French, a proviso, can be so available. We all know how busy everyone is at this place, but I don't think anybody's more busy than you are. It means a lot that you came. Thank you very yeah. much. As principal, I am also very happy to meet students in my office, not only to blame them, but also to congratulate them. Of course. Of Most course. of the time, yes, to tell you the truth, it's not a good sign if a student is in my office, but also sometimes it happens in my career to meet some students who were very committed and involved in their learning, and they had also many issues to face in their lives, and I was quite happy to meet with him, with him or with her and to say that. I appreciate that, and I know that's true for all principals or directors, but you know, you have to admit, you know, you're the top dog. The best directors and principals and educators in my professional experience are those who are open to talking on the same level of their teachers as colleagues, and that's really something I appreciate. Mm -hmm. so, with no further ado, let's get started. This yes. is Colin Daly. Welcome to Parkour Ed, and thank you for taking the time to join us. We have a very special guest here today on Tuesday, June 21st, 2022. I note the date because it is the summer solstice, and the summer solstice technically just happened about 15 minutes ago. So we're right in the middle of the summer solstice, which is for teachers, as you know, we love summertime. So I'm going to let my guest introduce himself, as I always do, for a couple of reasons. First of all, to make sure we get the pronunciation of the name right, and also to get a little background on the name and where it comes from and whatever other information we can have. Why don't you introduce yourself? Okay, thank you, Colin, and thank you for welcoming me in your studio. I'm very honored and privileged to be here. So my name is David Binot, and David Binot in French. I am a school leader uh, since 2009. I became principal in Canberra in 2017, and before I was a deputy. I came from the north of France, the area called Hauts-de-France. I came from a very simple family. My parents were farmers, so I tried to do my best at schools to become who I am now. I have also a few other experiences before I was an history geography teacher and I taught also Latin music, French, because after a while I decided also to teach the two subjects. It's not common in France, but it could happen particularly for a specific public in professional schools. And because I have this experience and these skills, so I could become also a French literature teacher and an history geography teacher. And after that, I became an attaché working in an embassy in Bulgaria. After that, I decided, in fact, people suggested me to become a school leader. So you know, we have an examination to sit for, paper-based first and second oral examination in front of a jury with four people in front of you asking questions. I had the trainership of two years. After that, I became deputy and principal. And now here I am. Wonderful. Wow, that was a whirlwind. Thank you so much for telling us all that. Now I'm going to take us back a little bit, step okay. by step, mm -hmm. and I'm going to go back to your name, David Binon. David Binon. Yeah. It's simple enough. Not, yeah. not too yeah. tough. Even American can pronounce it. But what have you heard before? How do people mess up your name sometimes? In Australia, where I was, an English-speaking country, they can pronounce Binon, and it's not a, a problem for me. In Turkey, because Turkey has a very easy language, they made the right pronunciation, Binan. Binan. It's Binan. 
know in French. You mentioned that you came from the northern part of France. Yes. You come from an agricultural background. Yeah. I got some of the background that you just shared with us for the first time from the Le Petit Journal article, mm -hmm. which is a very complete article, very interesting. And it's in French, but with today's technology, it's easy to translate it into English with mm -hmm. the right mouse click. So I'll put a link to that in the notes for this podcast for those who would like to check it out. People who come from rural areas sometimes have been there for generations and generations. Are you aware of any type of family background? Uh, I think my family was always in this same field, not farmer. I think my grand-grandparents were selling fruits from my grand-grandmother and my grand-grandfather was selling coal. Oh, yeah. So, in fact, they were not owners of a field. When they started to become farmer, they rent the lands. They started to buy a few lands, but not a lot. They were the owner of around 20 hectares, which is not big now with the evolution of agriculture in France and all around the world, we have very big size property with more than 100 hectares. So it was not an easy job for my parents and also when I helped them when I was a child and when I went to high school and uh, on the Wednesday because we didn't go to school on Wednesday and on Saturday afternoon or Sunday so sometimes I was helping them in right. their farm. It's the north, so is it Sti? Not exactly Sti. No, 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 not at all. We are in between Normandy and the Sti country okay, uh, okay. called Picardy. It's in the area around Saint-Quentin-Lens so some little cities but it's very well known particularly for English or for American or also for Australians because this is the place where they were of the battlefields during the First World War. It was always surprising for me to go to Canberra to the big war memorial which is a very important monument in Australia and to see my village there, you know, the name of my village. It's important for Australia tour because it was part of the foundation event, you know, of a nation. And so I saw some battles or reconstitution with the name of my village or the name of a village close to mine. And very surprising me that under each statue we can have on the reconstitution the name also of the soldiers. So it was quite surprising to see that there. So I am from this area. They had models with figurines. Yeah. In this museum we have some diorama exactly. and it's very well detailed, very well informed because it's important for them. And the Australians are invited to come to this memorial and to research about their ancestors. Because in this country, this country was around maybe 5 million people and so many people died very far from their place. It's still important for Australians to go and visit this museum and to remind that this country also built itself with sometimes difficult moments. What's the name of your oh, <laughs> My village has a very special name, L'Empire. L'Empire, Empire, in fact. But no, without any pretension, because it's a very small village. In the Middle Ages, it was a village which was the post of a guard between the frontier, between the border, between the Roman German Empire and the country of France. It's why they called this the Empire, because maybe it was the first step to the people to send a German Roman Empire at I this see. time. But it's a very small village. So from what I know about France, and correct me if I'm wrong, oftentimes they have primary schools in a small village, but when it gets to a college, lycée, a middle school or a high school, you generally don't go in your village unless it's big enough. It has that many kids. Was that your case? No, what? no school at all in my village. Not even It was too school. small. The school was closed in 1950s. Oh, so, so there was no school. I went to the primary school in the village close to mine. We used our bikes to go to the school in the village close to mine. Oh. After that, to go to the high school, even if it was five kilometers away, I had to take a bike, sometimes very early in the morning, 6 a.m. After that, to catch a bus. 
streets and the school bus was going into all the different villages. So to make five kilometers, we took two hours, you know, to go in different villages and to pick up all the students and go back to the college, you know, to the high school. What was the atmosphere among kids from different villages? Being an American, I can only judge by what I've seen in movies, but La Guerre des Boutons jumps out at me mm. when I think about competing villages and how they end up actually being quite close friends when they get to the big town mm. kind of thing. So what was maybe, it like? yes, maybe it looks like a bit, but did you know it was another time because I'm not very young anymore. Well, you're younger than La Guerre des Boutons. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, yes. Uh, but it was a bit the same spirit. Not lots of young people at this time. We were used to play in the streets because not so many cars right. on the streets through the village. And we met friends, but not a lot. Okay. Usually you can go to the woods to enjoy, you know, the country, but not lots of things to do. Now, certainly things have changed, but not a lot, I'm afraid. You had a rural upbringing and then you went to school. In the article that I read in the Petit Journal, it, it talked about how you grew up in a small village in an agricultural society and then all of a sudden you're at Ipocagne. So what are the steps in between from here to there? It's a very uh, normal like a- step. You know, I was not enjoying the life in the countryside. I had to support my parents but it was not lots of fun to do that because it was not an easy job. Do you have brothers and sisters? I too? have got a sister. Yes. One sister. So it yes. wasn't a big family of ten brothers. Oh, no, not at all. Not yeah, at all. And we had a complete different pathway, my sister and I. And so it came like that, you know, to study at school. I love to learn reading and discovering history, linked maybe with the history of my family. That's it, you know, I didn't think exactly about my future. I didn't have any plan. When I go after the college to the lycée, it was a boarding school. So all week, you know, over there and I didn't ask myself any questions. I said, it's the way I have to go and I have to follow and I will follow it. And I was supported by the French authorities with a scholarship because my parents couldn't afford any studies and any boarding school. I went until Terminal and I've got my French back. And after that, in fact, I decided to stay in Lycée to go into Hippocaine, to Let Supérieur, because in a way I was a bit afraid and I was not prepared or ready to go to university and to be alone on my own, you know, I was not ready. I wanted to stay in Lycée and to stay in the context of the Lycée. I learned a lot, of course, in Hippocaine-Kang. After that, you know, I joined the university and other schools. I think that it can be very challenging, especially for students that come from a background and then mm. go towards studies that are completely different than what their parents did, mm. to know what to expect mm. and to get the help and the orientation. So when people step in and give you a hand, it's mm. good. But when any student has to structure his own time and doesn't have the experience doing that, it can be very daunting, I believe. I remember when I arrived in Lettre Supérieure in Hippocagne, one day the history geography teacher asked the 80 people he had in front of him, where do we come from? And our social, cultural and social background. And I realized that among all the 80 people, they were sons or daughters of members of the administration, or also sons or daughters of teachers, one or two from workers. And I was the only one, you know, from a farmer. It was interesting in a way, you know, to see that. You mentioned you want to continue working to keep education as a social ladder Mm. as well. Mm. Oftentimes, the field of education is the first step. I I don't know a better way because we heard many things from our young people to get easy money and to get an easy position. I heard a lot when I was a teacher from some students who came from a very difficult background. And I always said to them, oh, yes, yes, you can sell whatever you want to sell. For example, in the area where was the school. But 
that, you know, in the end it will not last. And think really seriously about that and to say the best way, even if it is not the social ladder that it was before, but it's still there and it is still a good way for people like me. We are not a lot, but we are, I hope, more and more to get a better life. Uh, I don't say the life of my parents was not good, but it was difficult. No money sometimes at the end of a month. Anyway, I'm not going to draw a picture, you know, like Cendrillon or things like that. Yeah, it was not easy. It helps to build you and your character and your personality without any complaint or without any critics about the society, but only to be aware and to take all this experience as an asset to help the society to realize that we need to give everyone a position in a society. Are you still close to your roots? Do you get back oh, yeah. to the village now it's, and then? Uh, my sister is in the area, but no, because of COVID, it's why I didn't go back to France. But uh, my roots are part of my ADN. And so sometimes I miss, you know, I I think about, you know, my area. It's not a beautiful landscapes with mountains, nothing like that, you know, and the war was there, so it destroys lots of things, but it's my place and I loved it. My wife and my daughter don't share the same feeling as mine, but it's normal, you know, because it's my place. I grew up there. I have photos and I'm still informed about what's happened in my village, you know, I'm still in touch with the mayor of the village. Oh, uh, the mayor. To have some, yes, the mayor, yes, about the news, you know, about the village. Always interested about what's happened over there. But no, I didn't go back there for quite a while. When and if you do get a chance to go with the family, do you go back somewhere else in France? I didn't plan for these holidays to go back to France. Yeah. I will stay in the area, certainly, in Singapore to discover a bit more, and also in the area, not to go too far. But the plan will be certainly for the year after. You mentioned you have a daughter. Is she in Singapore? She's in Singapore. She's an online student at the Australian National University in Canberra, VANU. Since she had her back, COVID arrived and so she was online, you know, with her teachers, with her mates. So not an easy life for a student, start the life of a student, you know, but it's like that anyway. Yeah. And so today is the winter solstice in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> ah, no, 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 no. You are mistaken. You are mistaken. <laughs> in Australia, yes. the beginning of summer or winter, it's the 1st of June, for example, for the summer. The oh, winter. it is? Yes. Oh, okay. Don't ask me why. <laughs> <laughs> they, they know that the solstice is still the 21st of June, but usually winter is starting on the 1st of June and summer is starting on the 1st of December. I see. Don't ask me why, but it's like that. I yeah. see, I see. Yeah. That's interesting. We've gone through your experience at a boarding school and then you went to Ipokan, which I just mm -hmm. learned about in mm -hmm. an interview with Madame Chassa, who also was a, a student there. When did the idea of teaching pop up. It was always there. I think maybe also a question of feeling safe, you know, to stay in the same environment. I love to learn and I love also to give the tools to the young people to learn. I think it was always there. Latin, French, medieval history. And you also mentioned that you like working with students who have challenges in learning too. That seems like a very unique combination. I do recall you telling me a story about music as well. That was very interesting. Yeah, because I learned story. music in the school of the village as primary student. In all these villages in the past, there were some bands and it was part of the tradition. You come back from the end of the 19th century, it started at this time. And now there is no band in this village anymore. But the music director was also the headmaster of the school. So it was quite mandatory for each of us to learn music in year four and year five, in CM1 and CM2. I was not particularly attracted to that. And I learned music, I learned playing an instrument, but I didn't regret that at all. 
now because I'm quite happy. It opened my mind to another way to express many things, you know, through music and classical music, but all types of music. I respect all types of music. I love classical music, to tell you the truth, a specific classical music for a moment of history. But I was in a band for a few years, from the age of eight years old until 16, 17 years old. So when I was in a college, on Friday night, when we came back from this boarding college, we had rehearsals every week. Sometimes I was not very motivated to go. When you go back from school and at 8 p.m. you go for a rehearsal until 10 p.m. But anyway, I didn't enjoy maybe a lot at this time but now I don't regret all the things I learned which opened my mind and helped me to understand music and be able later to teach it. That's great. Well, there are a lot of teachers and students around the school that enjoy music, and that's always been a big part of what we talk Mm. about on Parkour Ed. Many musicians have come through. Even our theme Mm. music was composed by a student that is made up of bell. I know, I know, I know. It's fantastic, (laughs) and it's lovely bells. (laughs) Usually it's an issue in schools, you know, very aggressive. And in Australia, we were also trying to find another bell, but those we got here on this campus, and the other one we got, you know, on the other campus are, are lovely. And very, very nice, very quiet too. In Australia, we were thinking to find another bell based on the song Don't Worry, Be Happy. <laughs> I see. Oh. Yeah, but it was not working anyway. No, oh, <laughs> no they couldn't find the... But uh, they tried to introduce this music at school, you know, anyway. Right. Well, great. So when you finished Ipokan, right? Is that after Ipokan, I went to university. And yes. then you it's said Kanye. You, yeah. you did after that your cooperation? It's after like that, learner, yes, I did my maitrise, like a uh, master. And after I went to do my uh, military service outside the country. So I went to Turkey. Yeah. Turkey. Okay. So the masters that you did, remind me, what was it? It was about the Middle Age, okay. high Middle Age, the second half of the ninth century Medieval. in France. Afterwards, you did mm. your military service, yeah. cooperative yeah. service mm. in Turkey. And how did you find that? It was wonderful. Yes. It's a great country. It was. It certainly still is, but I don't know this country now. And I would like to go back, but you know, we are always afraid of a big disappointment, you know, when you have a good time over there, and after that you leave, and you became idealistic, you know, about your memories. And sometimes, you know, when you go back, the reality and the changes sometimes make you disappointed. But no, it was a great time to work in a different context with Turkish-French teacher, and also to work in different programs to develop the learning of French in Turkey and to meet many, many people of Turkey. And from different social backgrounds, it was a really great experience. As an history geography teacher, it's an incredible country from antiquity until the modern time with all the cultures, all the civilizations. They went through this piece of land in the world. It's amazing. And how about the Turkish language? Did you learn Yes, I learned it. You did? Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. People don't like to hear this. Whenever I say it, they say, oh, knowing but you do speak english very well i know i don't speak english very well everyone says that it's impressive i come from the united states and that's more rare where i come from so i'm always impressed and intrigued it was always something that interested me the study and the learning of foreign language so when did you feel like you were able to express yourself in english i take it it wasn't after your second year of College, right? Uh, in fact, you know, I learned English in CZM. I started so learning. You started English. in yeah. CZM and all and, of a sudden and, it just clicked? No, 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 <laughs> no click at all. I learned English at school with a very traditional method with the Smith family and then John and uh, anyway. My so, tailor is 
English. <laughs> exactly. My tailor is rich. I remember I had a first name given by the English teacher. And I remember we were two David in the class. So my name was Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Brian is in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I remember that, you know, in CZM. And after, in the quatrième, I started learning German. And I preferred, ger in fact, my level in German was better than my level in English. But, you know, with all the experience in life. And so uh, when I become a touristic guide in the north of France uh, to pay my studies, I started to do the visits in English. So in the beginning, you know, it was not easy. But how, in fact, it how was... Old, yeah. How old were you when you started giving guides in English? Uh, I was 22, 23 oh, years old. Excellent, yeah, excellent. Or maybe a bit before. In fact, it was the first time I met English people and to speak with them. American people too. It was not a very well-known place uh, at this time. And so we received tourists from different parts of the world and I was very impressed to receive people from Egypt or from America to visit a little abbey in the north of France. But I started like that to speak in English with them and step by step with a stay in Australia and I tried to improve my level in English by myself. Reading books or watching TV. Excellent. So French, Latin, English, German, Turkish? German, I forgot a lot. I'm sure it will come back very quickly if I was in Germany or in a German-speaking country. But yes, Turkish is still, because there is lots of effect with Turkish language. Mm -hmm. So now with all this platform like Netflix, I watch Turkish films for ah, it. Have you watched me uh, to... Resurrection or er exactly. Ertugul? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, you, you watched it. <laughs> I started. I had to give up, though. It's endless. <laughs> yeah, it's endless. But um, yeah, I didn't follow all the, the you know, the part. And yeah, anyway, so it's interesting the way and the country, you know, showed their history. But it helps me to remind me my Turkish to improve it away. There was also another series in the past about the Ottoman Empire and the oh. reign of Soliman the Magnifique, usual in Turkish, so 100 years, what it means. It was an interesting film, but Europe decided not to show it because through this historical thing, there was also another message given by the Turkish authorities to the people. From Turkey, where'd you go next? From Turkey, I came back to France for a few years. And after that, I went for the first time to Australia as a teacher. After Australia, I went to Bulgaria. Now, when you went to Australia, did you go to Sydney? I was or already was in, in the school in Canberra where right. I became principal 20 years later. So I was there in Canberra and my daughter was born there. After that, I went to Bulgaria as an attaché. And after Bulgaria, France. And after France, Dubai. And after Dubai, Australia. And after Australia, Singapore. All right. So how long did you stay the first time you were in Canberra? I stayed in Canberra six years. For the first time. And yeah. so at this point, were you connected to the AFU? It was an AFE school already because when I was in Turkey in the 1990s, it was the beginning of the AFE. And I was working also in part of my life in Turkey. I was working in the French school in, in Ankara. It was the beginning of the AFE. And after when I went to Australia, it was an AFE school. So you went to Bulgaria as a teacher or a principal? No, uh, as an attaché in the as embassy. Attaché. Because when I was in Australia, I met uh, representatives of foreign affairs who came to meet people and to speak also. They were interested by my profile and by the things I was able to do. So I applied to become a linguistics attaché and cultural attaché. They offered me a job in Bulgaria. Wonderful. And what does a daily life of an attaché include? For, <laughs> it, for those of us who've, it who depends where you are. It depends where you are. 
<laughs> if you are in the capital, it's different. I was not in the capital. I was in uh, an office open by the embassy at the fall of the, the, the wall in the 1990s in yes. Bulgaria. And this office in a very historic town, in fact, it was a capital of a second kingdom of Bulgaria called Veliko Tarnovo. It was a beautiful city. It is a beautiful city, but to live there, to work there, it was another story. But it was an interesting one. So as an attaché, I was in charge of linguistics attaché, the way the students, the Bulgarian students can learn French. So I was in touch with all the French teachers over there, the Bulgarian teachers who teach French. I went to visit them, to meet their principals, to provide support. We organized also a big training seminar with them for all Bulgaria because we were four or five attaché for this country at this time. We worked also about different projects and also cultural projects. So I organized cultural events like the Fête de la Musique, for example. It's today too. It's the Fête de la Musique. So it's part also of the French embassy to organize events like that. So I was organizing I the see. events. Was there an Alliance Française there? Too? So there was an Alliance Française over there. There were a, number, a significant numbers of Alliance Française in Bulgaria, sometimes very small, sometimes not so small. Uh, but we worked together to provide an opening to the French culture. That's yeah. wonderful. We did, for many years, have a very large Fête de la Musique here at the school. Music, you can imagine, is very important here. After your attaché experience, you went back to Canberra? I went back to France That's as it. a teacher because okay. it was a quite a long time I was not in touch with my country and with students. I wanted not to stay in an administration, but I wanted to recreate a contact with the field. After one year, in fact, because I was told I should become a school leader, so I was still asking myself. I did not know if it was the right choice, but I was supported to this idea by my family. So I became deputy the second year when I was back in France and I prepared the examinations. And after that, I became a school leader training during two years and with different things we have to provide to become official school leader in France. What part of France did you go back to? The north, mine. Was it in a city or in a town? I was in two cities, in Lycée des Métiers first. Lycée des Métiers in charge of tapestry, broderie, you oh, know, doing ba- furniture. Bayeux, uh, um, <laughs> not a Bayeux tapestry, but because the, the north of France, you know, was a bit specialist with all of this. After that, I went to a big boarding school with around 300 students who were sleeping there all week from Sunday night until Saturday morning. After that, I went to another boarding school when I succeeded my examinations. I went to another city in a classical college with more than 1,500 students from second until termina after terminal or so post-bac studies called BTS. We've also a boarding school, an interna, you know, 200 students. That must really add another element to your work, having mm. a boarding school, having mm. the responsibility of kids outside of their school life as well. Exactly. That's such a challenge. Yeah. We do have schools in Singapore like that. UWC mm. has a boarding program and mm. several others do. Would that be something you'd be interested in bringing Oh, yes, to I should. Uh, yeah, I would be interested, yeah. you know. Uh, I'm always interested to discover, as I did in the past in my life, our educational system and our way of teaching and keeping the students in the process of learning. All educational system had issue with students who didn't find their place, you know, at school. We need to find um, a way to support them and uh, to prepare them as citizens. Part of the answer is also our educational systems, how they deal with these difficulties and how they teach some subjects. Sometimes it's a different way and also an interesting one, really. And to think about our pedagogical approach and to realize that it's not the only one in the world. Everything from different educational backgrounds, educational systems, they are 
good things and there are things which need to be improved. So you find different things to improve our approach, our methods, and to be more efficient with the students. So then you went back to Canberra after that. Did you get the call from the AOFO and they say, we, we want you uh, back I, in the I, game? First or? of all, I went to Dubai for five years and after that, yes, to Canberra. So you went back to Canberra, a bit of a homecoming. Now you mentioned sometimes it's hard to go back someplace that you've been before. What was it like to go back to Canberra? Exactly the same feeling as I said. You know, when, we, we saw, when we you're saw, no longer 24 years old. But it's, it, it, it's, it's normal, <laughs> you know, in a way, country change, people changed. We were not in the same state of mind when we were, you know, 20 years before. And also different job, different position. So you don't see the things as you see when you are in another position. But I saw an evolution of education in Australia, in even the school where I was. I don't want to make it general, you know, for all Australia. But interesting things always for me, but also things I will not recommend because it's not part of our cultural approach. But anyway, it's always interesting because it helps to question ourselves and to say why it could be very interested also for us and why it will not be interesting for us. I saw many changes at school, but also in the country, in the society. So... Yeah, and we were 20 years older too, so we don't see things in the same way. So, yeah, disappointed a bit yeah, on certain points. Very busy by the work, so not lots of possibility to meet other people, to make other friends. It's my mistake. In Canberra, did you follow the Australian school calendar? Yeah. Did you follow the French? No, no, no. In fact, okay. it was complicated. We officially followed in primary the Australian school calendar from February to December. But because it was a binary national school with examinations like brevet and back. The students have to sit for these examinations in June. So we have to reorganize in the French part of the school the calendar from 5M, from year 7 until year 12 for the students to be ready for the brevet. So it means the Australian school calendar is four term, 40 weeks. Okay. So when the students arrived in 5M, they had three terms. So from February to September, after in 4M, from October until June the following year. And so the students like that were ready to do the brevet. It was quite complicated to articulate all of this. And you know, it was quite strange because the end of the school year is December in Australia with many festivities and many graduations and things like that. But it was not the case for the French <laughs> and the French part of the school when I was there. So not sharing the spirit of the celebrations. We share, but we were not completely in this mind. It could be a bit frustrating for me or for teachers, but after a while, you know, it's okay. And you were no stranger to adversity during your time there with the fires and, of mm -hmm. course, well, COVID. I was there during the fires. It's yes, awful. it was terrible. It was in January 2020, just before COVID. It was a nightmare to live in Canberra at the beginning of January where there was nobody in the street and with an orange sky and quite difficult to breathe outside. And the fire was very close to my place. So we were ready to evacuate. Uh, yes, it was uh, an interesting time. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. Yeah. Everyone can imagine that it's a challenging job and it's time-consuming. We know that for mm. a fact. What do you do to stay sane? What do you do for you? You mentioned classical music. Do you get a chance to sit down and listen occasionally? When I was in Australia, yes, I was driving my car to go to my place. So, uh, yes. Now not, you, not you anymore practically here. live on campus. Yeah, now, not yeah. anymore here. I'm enjoying my time with my family. And I'm reading books, sometimes movies on TV. Not a lot yet, you know, because 
with if I have to deal with my job and with all the things I have to do, but step by step, you know, to take our marks and to, to organize our lives. It is always a challenge, you know, when you change country, even if we are quite used to, and I was not used to when I was a child, it is a bit challenging. It takes time to find your marks and to place yourself in a specific context. Well, I wish you the best of luck settling in, and if we can be of any help, be sure to let us <laughs> Thank know. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. I am so glad you took the time to come in and, and speak with us. And if you would like to take advantage of this opportunity to say whatever you'd like to anyone who may be listening, colleagues or people of the community. First of all, I would like to thank everyone for their support because it helps me a lot. And they were always, all, you know, because it was not an easy time for everyone during the COVID time. And it was not an easy time also for the school. And so I would like to say that I appreciate a lot the support I was given here at the school and the support I still have, particularly from my close collaborators, but also for all staff. And I hope we will stay in this way. And I'm sure we will. I'm doing my best to do that because we are to be together and to work together for the best interest of our students and to maintain all the programs and all they need in their education and to offer them the best future they deserve. I will do my best to maintain this unity. It doesn't mean that I want everyone to agree with me. It's not the point because we are here with different points of view, with different approach, with different analysis. It's part of the richness of the school. It's part of our richness to collect all of this and to think about what we can provide the best to our students and to the parents who have also lots of expectations from the school. That's right. Thank you so much. You're I welcome. appreciate it so much. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you, Colin. Bye. Bye now. This has been Parkour Ahead with Colin Daly. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed our program, please share it with a friend. If you have any questions or concerns, or you yourself would like to be interviewed on Parkour Ed, you know how to get a hold of us.